Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. This is the sixth and final episode in the Life in Six Word series here on the Gospelize with Greg Steer podcast. I just want to remind you as we get ready to wrap up the acrostic, God Our Sins, Paying Everyone Life, that all of the resources around the Life in Six Words, the curriculum, the sermon series that you can download, the adult small group guide, all of that is available through our partner Open Network. You can go to our partner page there, download all of those resources. You can take everything that you've learned and listened and applied through this podcast series over the last six months, download those resources, implement into your youth ministry. Uh, It's been a crazy ride, a fun ride, a powerful ride as Greg has unpacked these six statements. And so without further ado, with the sixth and final statement, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever, here's Greg Steer. I love the story of Derek Redman. He was in the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona. He's running the 400 meters and he made the semifinals and then about midway around, he popped his hamstring and he fell face down into the track and the crowd watched in horror as the other runners just ran past him. He was in excruciating pain, but then something happened that the crowd wasn't ready for. He pushed up from the ground and he began to limp his way down the track. He was determined to finish the race and the crowd went wild. And they went even more wild when his father ran past the guards and pushed his way out onto the track and father and son collapsed in each other's arms and then father and son, arm in arm, make their way across the finish line, completing a full run around the track, a full walk around the track in excruciating pain, but father and son in each other's arms. I love that picture because it reminds me of God the Father, that we may have crashed, but our Father is there just carrying us across that finish line. There's something about that special father-child relationship. There's something about the Father's love for us. And this gets us to the last point of the Life in Six Words podcast series. God, our sin, paying everyone life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. We're going to be talking about eternal life. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we enter into that personal, permanent relationship with our Heavenly Father. And in a sense, He helps us across through His Holy Spirit, that finish line, until we finally collapse into His arms on the other side. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture. But that life doesn't start at the finish line. It starts now. It starts as soon as a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. How many teenagers are longing for that deep, personal, intimate relationship with someone else? So many try try to find it on social media. Usually the average teen's got a small group of friends that they try to pour their lives into. But students long for that intimacy. And ultimately, we know where they're going to find that intimacy. That intimacy is going to be found in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I love 1 John 5, 11 through 13. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son 
has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, that eternal relationship with the God of the universe. So we're going to kind of break that statement down. Eternal life starts now. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So eternal life starts now. We had a, a gospel acrostic that we used to train students in years ago, and the L was not life that Jesus starts now and lasts forever. It's life that's eternal, could never be lost, which was more of a kind of a theological proposition than really talking about the intimate relationship that we have with Christ at the moment of salvation that does extend in eternity. But it is more relational. We have it now. Jesus said in John 6, 47, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. You have everlasting life at the moment of salvation. Uh, Jesus said in John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You receive that gift of eternal life at the moment of salvation. You receive it. I love the words of Corey Ten Boom. She says, you know, eternal life does not start when we go to heaven. It starts the moment you reach out to Jesus. He never turns his back on you. He, he, he never turns his back on anyone, and he's waiting for you. It starts at that moment of salvation. So we're going to take a look at this gift of eternal life that starts now. And we're going to take a look at the quality of this life. This is the kind of life that doesn't just survive. It's the kind of life that thrives. Jesus put it this way in John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's why I'm wearing my buddy Zane Black's t-shirt, loving life. We're not just living life. We're loving life because that life is in Christ. Now, in the Greek, there are three words in the Koine Greek, which the New Testament was written in, there are three words for the word life. There's bios, which is where we get the word biology. That's kind of a physical life. There's suke, it's where we get the English word psychology. That's kind of, you know, mental life, you're, you're the way that you think. And there's zoe. So zoe is divine life. It's a divine life uniquely possessed by God. It's eternal life. It's spiritual life. And at the moment of salvation, we don't just get our ticket punched to heaven. We get the divine life of God, and we get to experience that right now, this divine connection with the author of life. And if there's anyone who knows how to live life, it's the author of life. And when you put your faith in him, his life is available to you. This eternal life the Zoe becomes yours. Jesus put it this way in his prayer to the Father in John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now notice what it doesn't say, that they may know about you. This is that they may know you. That idea there is to know the Father and Jesus Christ personally and intimately. That is what we receive at the moment of salvation, this relationship with God the Father. Now, when I was 15 years old, my grandmother told me some preacher dropped off an eight-volume set for you, a theology set. And I looked at it. It was a, it was a mint condition, 
eight volume set, Lewis Sperry Chafer, you know, systematic theology. And I look at this, you know, foot high stack of books. I still to this day don't know who gave me these, but I know this, I began to read that systematic theology. And you may be thinking, well, what a nerd you were. Let me tell you what, I was a fatherless kid who was longing to know about my heavenly father. And when I read that Lewis Berry Chafer systematic theology set, when I began to read it, I began to weep. Because for me, theology wasn't cold, dead propositions. They were living insights into my heavenly father, into my big brother, Jesus. That's what Hebrews 2 calls, he calls Jesus our big brother. And into the Holy Spirit who dwelled inside of me, into the gift of salvation, this living relationship I have with God. I wept because theology was me getting more insight into that God who loved me. I remember when I first read the book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I, again, a book I read. It was one of my basic textbooks when I was at Colorado Christian University. And it was one of those books, again, I just wept because it helped me know my heavenly Father. Here's what J.I. Packer wrote. What, we, what were we made for? To know God. What aims should we live in life? To know God. What is eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowing, knowledge of himself. So we were made to know God. And we were made to know him on an intimate level. And in a sense, that's exactly what Adam and Eve had in the garden. Intimate knowledge of God, their creator, who walked with them, seems like every day in the cool of the evening. That's what we were made for. Sin broke that apart, right? And religion could never bind that together. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, man, it's almost as though he took the hand of the Father and the, the, our hands, the hands of humanity, and brought them back together. When we put our faith in Christ, we receive that eternal life. Again, not just a ticket to heaven. It is that, but it is also intimacy with God right now. So the core of eternal life is a relationship with God, and it starts now at the moment of salvation. And this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that no other belief system has. Let me just kind of cover a couple different belief systems or worldviews. You have the atheist who doesn't believe in God. You have the agnostic who doesn't know if there's a God. There's a deist that believes God wound up the watch of creation and then left the building, right? Just kind of just created everything and, and left the house. Then there's the theist who believes in God, but not necessarily the God of the Bible, but it's a God that must be pleased and appeased by our actions in whatever way. So this is kind of the religious person's God, theist. And then there's a Christian. This is a belief in the God of the Bible and faith in his son for salvation. And only Christianity, true Christianity, has intimacy with God in a father-child relationship. So atheists don't believe in God. Agnostics don't know if there's a God. Theists have some kind of God that must be appeased or pleased. But Christians, man, or deists just believe you wind it up and then God left the building. But Christians, we have the intimacy with God in a family relationship. This is so awesome. And what makes Christianity really awesome is it's not just this sappy intimacy with this big brother, yo bro, Jesus, right? It is intimacy with the God 
who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke the universe into creation, the one who, according to Colossians 1, is sustaining the universe by the word of his power, the ruler of heaven and earth. Uh, he set above every throne and every dominion. He is truly the King of kings. When John, his best friend on earth, John writes in the book of John, he describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved, right? So he was the favorite. Uh, when John, the favorite, the best friend of Jesus, sees Jesus on the island of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1, he sees Jesus, his bestie, right, in his glorified form. What does he do? He passes out, right? So what's crazy is there is this awesome, amazing God who if we were to see in all of his glory right now, we would, with John, pass out, right? This same God loves us so much, and we have intimacy with him. That is our opportunity right now, intimacy with the God of the universe. God the Father, according to 1 Timothy 6, live in an inapproachable light, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who hovered above the face of the water. Again, Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth has been given in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We get an opportunity not to be a part of the Trinity, that would be heresy if we said that, but we get to be included in, on, in a relational level with the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So man, eternal life starts now. What a great and awesome privilege that we can have a relationship with the God of the universe, that we can be friends with God, that we can have that intimacy and that he is amazing and awesome and holy beyond anything we could imagine. Eternal life starts now. And secondly, and lastly, eternal life lasts forever. So life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Again, thanks to Jesus, we have a personal, permanent relationship with the God of the universe. I'll just put it this way. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. 1 John 5, 13. These things I've written to you that, who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I know, so I'm so sure I'm going to go to heaven when I die that I would trapeze over the lake of fire blindfolded, singing Amazing Grace. I know I'm going to heaven. It's not because of me. It's because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. What Jesus did when he rose from the dead, proving he was who he claimed to be. What Jesus did when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. According to Hebrews 7.25, he's always lives to intercede on our behalf so that we know we have a high priest before us, uh, before, before the Father, uh, defending us. By his own blood that was once and all for all shed on the cross for all of our sins. So we can have that confidence that we know Christ. And I, I believe, I have friends in ministry that believe, you know, if you're a believer, you can lose that eternal life. I'm convinced theologically and biblically that uh, we have eternal life and that eternal life can never be lost. It is, it's eternal. And I'm going to give you 10 reasons I'm convinced a true Christian could never go to hell. Now, let me say this. I think there are people that all of us may think are true Christians, but they've never put their faith in Christ. If you look at Matthew 7, he says, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons and do all these miracles in your name? But he says, I'm going to say, depart from me, you wicked ones. I never knew you because you never did the will of my Father in heaven. What's the will of the Father in heaven? John 6, 37 says, if we believe, we must believe. The will of the Father is that we believe and we receive that gift of eternal life. 
So there's a lot of people that, that are, in the words of my friend Dave Gibsons, they're professors, they profess, but they don't possess, right? So if, but if you've truly possessed that gift of eternal life because you've placed your full faith and trust in Jesus, you have eternal life, and I, I'm convinced you're going to be in heaven someday, and you can know it for sure. So I want to give you 10 quick reasons uh, why a true Christian could never go to hell. Number one, Jesus promised it. John 6, 37, here's what he says. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So Jesus promised you come to him, he'll never kick you out. Secondly, the second reason, we're in his hands and he will never let us go. John 10, 28 through 30, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. In other words, it's the same hand, right? You, you'll never be able to get out of the hands of God. He will never let you go. That is, that should give you great confidence. I remember uh, my son and I, when he was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old, we were up in the mountains. We were hiking in the Rocky Mountain National Park. We were crossing a wood uh, log over a little creek, and it was icy, and I had his hand, and he slipped off of the wooden log and was headed toward the water, but I had his hand, and I just kind of just flipped him up to the other side, and I asked him on the other side, Jeremy, were you scared? He goes, no. I wasn't afraid because I knew you wouldn't let me go. And I, I'm glad he knows that because I was a little bit nervous that I would. But uh, I was able to hold him in my hand. Well, listen, my hand is okay strength. The Father is infinitely strong. Jesus is infinitely strong. He holds the whole world in his hand, as the song goes. He's holding us in his hand. Nobody can snatch us out of his hand. Matter of fact, uh, point number three is this. The Father won't lose one of us. The Father won't lose one of us. It says in John 6, 39-40, it's His will that of all that He has saved, He will raise them all up at the last day. He will not lose one of them. He not, will not lose one of His children. Number four, we can't be spiritually unborn. John uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through eight talks about we must be born again. There's no record of anyone in scripture who is ever spiritually unborn. Once you're born again, there's no going back. Number five, we cannot be unchosen by God. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, that he chose us before the foundation of the earth to be part of his family. So how could he choose us, the divine will of God, before the foundation of the earth to be part of his family if he knew that we would be somehow unchosen? It doesn't make sense. Number six, we cannot be unadopted from his family. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. It says that, again, verse 5, that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is a big deal. We've been not only born again into God's family, we've been adopted into the family of God. And in the ancient Roman culture, adoption was an irreversible legal act. Listen to this, uh, these two paragraphs from Ellen Matty on adoption in ancient Roman culture. She writes, in ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning. 
When a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. The relationship, therefore, was not necessarily desired by the parent nor permanent. Not so, however, if a child was adopted. In Rome, adopting a child meant that child was freely chosen by his parents, desired by the parents. That child would be a permanent part of the family. Parents could not disown a child they adopted. An adopted child received a new identity. Any prior commitments, responsibilities, and debts were erased. New rights and responsibilities were taken on. Also in ancient Rome, the concept of inheritance was part of life, not something that began at death. Being adopted made someone an heir to their father, joint shares in all his possessions, and fully united to him. Boy, what a beautiful picture. You and I, at the moment of salvation, adopted into the family of God, and that is an irreversible act. The seventh reason I believe a true Christian could never go to hell is this. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You've been sealed by the Spirit. Uh, it says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You've been sealed with the Spirit in Christ, and you're sealed in him when? Until the day of redemption. I illustrate this. Uh, we do a full week training in the summer called Lead the Cause uh, for teenagers to train them how to be, uh, you know, sharing their faith and leading the way for the ultimate cause, the cause of Christ to make and multiply disciples. So I illustrate this on opening night by taking a FedEx envelope. And I say, I want you to imagine that this FedEx envelope is destined toward heaven. So I write the words to heaven on the FedEx envelope. And then I take one of the students' lanyard that has their name on it. So we'll just say Susie. Susie, this is your lanyard. It represents you. And then I place that lan Susie's lanyard in the FedEx envelope. And then I say, okay, you're in Christ. You're included in Christ at the moment of salvation. You've been sealed. And then I take that little, that little wax piece of paper off and that, that exposes the sealant on that FedEx envelope. And I seal that envelope. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit in Christ. And I close it completely. The destination is heaven. The recipient is the Father. And Susie's soul is secure in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit until the Father opens that up on the day of redemption. In other words, we, have, we are FedExed to heaven uh, in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And unlike FedEx, God always completes his delivery. No offense, FedEx, uh, but God always completes his delivery. We are secure in Christ. The eighth reason I think once, I'm, I'm sure that once we have eternal life, it is eternal and we're going to go to heaven, is that God says we can know we have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13, I've written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. There's a certainty to it. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is, you know, is the essence of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. The essence of faith is certainty that we have eternal life in Christ now, and it extends into eternity. God does not want you to walk around in fear. He wants you to walk around with holy swagger, holy, humble swagger and confidence that you know you have that, you're going to heaven when you die, and you know you have eternal life now. 
Number nine, a true Christian can never commit the unpardonable sin because they've already believed in Jesus. Mark 3, 22 through 30. A lot of people say, well, what, what if a Christian commits the unpardonable sin? Remember what the unpardonable sin is? The unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And if you look in the context, the Pharisees who were saying that Christ's miracles were really done through the power of Satan, not the power of the Holy Spirit, really the Spirit of God was convicting them and convincing them that Jesus was the Christ, but they blasphemed the Spirit. So what is a blasphemy of the Spirit? It is perpetual unbelief because the Spirit, according to John 16, is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit of God is constantly convicting the world that Jesus is of their own sin, but that Jesus is the righteousness that we need to enter in heaven so that we don't suffer the judgment of God, right? On uh, that great white throne judgment. So when you perpetually uh, disbelieve the Spirit and you don't give in to His promptings and His convictions that Jesus was who He claimed to be, you are committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Once you believe in Christ, you can't commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because you've already accepted the fact that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And the tenth and final reason I'm convinced a true Christian could never go to hell is that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 31 through 39. Man, this is just like poetry to the soul. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all thanks? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, including your own power, by the way, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have the love of God. Nothing, no power, your power, Satan's power, angelic power, uh, human power, no power, nothing in all creation could ever separate you from the love of God. I pray that gives you great confidence. And you may be thinking, oh my goodness, you can't be preaching this message because it gives people a license to sin. Let me tell you, this is not a license to sin. It's a reason to serve. It's a reason to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. It's a reason to, to make your life holy and pure before God. Not because, hey, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live like I want to live. No, it's because I know I'm going to heaven. I know I have a relationship with God now. I'm going to live like he wants me to live because I'm so grateful for this free gift of eternal life. I'll never forget, 30 years ago, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm going door to door on a Saturday. I'm inviting people out to come visit Grace Church where I was pastor at at the time. I'm inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I am just going, I'm spending hours every Saturday just knocking on doors, knocking on doors. Wasn't part of my job description, but I wanted people to know Jesus. And I'll never forget knocking on this one door, and this guy named Randy opens the door. 
and I start, you know, inviting him out to church and start sharing the gospel. He goes, you one of those once saved, always saved people? I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he goes, do you receive eternal life and that if you're a true Christian, you can never go to hell? I go, well, it's kind of a crude way to put it, but I guess so. I believe it's a personal, permanent relationship with the God of the universe. I don't believe anything could ever separate me from the love of God. And he goes, you know what? I, I believe in Jesus, but I hate this view of eternal life. I hate it because it's a license to sin. I hate it because it's a license to do what you want. You get your ticket punched to heaven, and you can live like you want. I go, well, where are you going to church, Randy? He goes, well, I'm not going to really a church anywhere right now. I go, how are you doing in your walk with Christ? Because I'm not really doing well in my walk with Christ right now. I'm not really serving him. I go, then answer me this, Randy. Here I believe that I know for sure I'm going to heaven, that I can't go to hell even if I tried. But I'm here on a Saturday, and I don't have to be here, and I'm spending hours upon hours going door to door, sharing the love of Jesus with people. I've had dogs try to attack me. I've had people slam the door in my face. But I'm doing all this, yet at the same time, I know I'm going to heaven. You believe you can lose it, and you're, you, according to your own view, said, man, I, I'm not serving Christ right now. Explain to me why that is. And he goes, I don't know, because it doesn't make sense to me. And I go, think about it. I said, maybe it's because you get tired of trying to please this God and making sure that you know you have eternal life. I'm not tired of it because I'm so grateful. I'm fueled by that joy. I can't help but tell people the good news that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And I want to invite people into that life. You know, it was crazy. He invited me into his house. We sat down, I think, for hours. We just talked about the Lord. He, he recommitted his life to Christ, and he started attending Grace Church and began to serve the Lord out of joy, not out of compulsion. Listen, eternal life is not a license to sin. It's a reason to serve. When you really get it, you can't help but tell other people about Jesus. And when you disobey God, like I disobey God, uh, God, like a loving father, will take you into his divine woodshed and he will chastise you. He will punish you out of love, just like a loving father uh, chastises their children out of love to see them grow into maturity. But he will never kick you out of the house. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So in closing, I have two questions. One is, do you have assurance of your salvation? I I just talked a few weeks ago to JJ and Adrian. Uh, They came up, we were getting rid of a bed. They came and picked it up and they both had put their faith in Christ, but they had never really uh, had assurance. And so I talked to them about assurance and you could see the joy of eternal life uh, in their souls. Listen, maybe today you're like, you know what? I, for the first time, could say, I know I'm going to heaven. I put my faith in Christ. I'm adopted. I can't be unadopted. I hope that fills your soul with joy and makes you want to serve Christ all the more. But maybe, maybe you're one of those you've professed, but you've not possessed. Let me ask you this. Let me just go over those life in six words one last time. God created us to be with him. He loves you so much, but our sins separate us from God. But sin, God's a holy God. He hates sin. He can't be around it. Kicked Adam and Eve out of his presence when they sinned. We're out of his presence, blocked by that sin. It breaks his heart. Those sins could never be removed by good deeds. 
but paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again 2,000 years ago. The Son of God became the Son of Man. He lived the perfect life we could never live, died the death that we deserved. He took our sin upon himself and suffered God's wrath in our place for our sins. He said, it is finished because the price of your sin had been paid and mine had been paid and he rose from the dead and now everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. It's not by trying, it's by trusting. You believe that Jesus died for you, trust in him alone to forgive you for your sins. You receive eternal life and that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That Zoe life, that quality of life, the divine life of Christ, personal intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit starts now and last forever. If you've never put your faith in Christ, right where you sit, trust in him. Receive that gift of eternal life. This has been a great series. Life in six words. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Memorize this message. Download the Life in Six Words app. Share Christ with everyone you know. The good news that we are God's children. And man, we need to build that family up. Expand the family. Bring others in for the glory of God. Father, thank you for the gospel. It truly means good news. It truly is good news. May we share this good news with everyone, and may we live this good news every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Ah, the best message. Thank you, Greg, for that word of encouragement that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Uh, man, we are so excited to debrief that with you all. But first, we have something super fun and exciting to share with you. Super fun and exciting. Since we're wrapping up the Life in Six Words, the GOSPL podcast series, we are going to give a physical copy of the curriculum away to somebody listening to the podcast right now. This is all you have to do is email podcast at daretoshare.org. Tell us you want the Life in Six Words physical copy of the curriculum, and we will send it to you. Just a reminder, if you want the curriculum and you don't win this contest, the digital version is available for free on our website. So everybody can get access to it, but somebody wants the physical copy with the student guides and everything, I am more than happy to send it your way. So email podcast at daretoshare.org for your copy of Life in Six Words curriculum. So takeaways, tips, and tools, Mackenzie. Uh, big takeaway for me, and I'm going to come at you hard with some alliteration uh, because I love it. this about it. Greg said it's a personal, permanent relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is so powerful about what life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. It's personal with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's permanent. It never goes away. We can't ever lose it. It is a beautiful thing. I also was reminded as Greg was, was talking, the, the power of the gospel and the potential of teenagers. Like this is mm. the power of the gospel to transform lives. And what we believe here at Dare to Share is in the potential of teenagers to take this message of hope to their friends. So personal, permanent, potential, and power. There's your alliteration. All the P's. I love the alliteration. That And it's memorable, right? There's a reason why that sticks. <laughs> well, and I, one thing I really loved um, that he shared at the beginning was that Derek Redmond story of that Olympic athlete and how his dad met him and carried him through to the finish line. And that is something that I saw um, when I was a teenager in a, a church service and has always stuck with me. And so youth leaders, like use that video. It is so powerful to demonstrate God's love for us. And that it's a great video. And I would just like to pause real quick and say, because Mackenzie and I were having this conversation earlier, 
For those of us that were alive when that actually happened, it was a very powerful and moving moment. For those of you who had to watch the YouTube video because the 90s are not a thing for you, I'm just pointing out, but yes, it's a powerful, so powerful. powerful am, I, am I right? <laughs> it's a powerful Olympic moment. It's a powerful father son moment, but you're right. It's a great tip for our leaders is it's an accessible video and it will leave a, a strong impression on your students because they weren't alive when it actually happened, but it's still powerful. It's still powerful. So Google, you could just do a search of Derek Redman and it pops up right away. So awesome tip there. And one um, tool to tell you guys about is lead the cause. Um, so Greg mentioned that at the end of the uh, video as well, the podcast, and we are so excited to announce that lead the cause is open and in person in Chicago and Denver this summer, and um, it's open registration. So it's a great opportunity for students to um, grow in their relationship with Jesus and be able to really dig into how to share the gospel with their friends and their family. And it's, it's the one week that really prepares your ministry for the other 52 weeks of the year. That's absolutely right, Mackenzie. It is a catalytic, week-long, intense training for your students that'll get them involved in the cause of Christ, leading the cause of Christ, hence lead the cause. And again, Denver, Chicago, there's even a virtual option. And so we just want you all to, to be aware of that. No, powerful, powerful tool. Uh, the other tool we want to make available to you actually references what Greg shared with us today, the 10 truths about how you know that it is a personal permanent relationship with Jesus Christ, that eternal security that we talk about. And so uh, as an additional download uh, resource, so we always have the listening guide, the discussion guide. Um, we have um, Greg's transcript, the notes so that you can take and train this yourself. We're all going to offer a fourth resource this go around. We've made a mini poster of those 10 truths and passages that Greg referenced. So you can have them as a quick reference, a poster for your office, your youth room, great resource to share with your students. Uh, but that tool is coming to you as well. And so uh, we're grateful that you stayed with us through the whole series of the GOSPL Life in Six Words. Uh, Greg, again, thank you so much for delivering amazing content month in, month out, especially around uh, God, our sins, paying everyone life. And so on behalf of myself and Mackenzie and the whole team at Dare to Share, we are so grateful that you're subscribed, uh, that you're part of this community with us, and, and we continue to labor alongside of you until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend.